1: Welcome to the political beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Mycelis. The beatdown brigade is here, and here's what we got for you today. Let's talk updates on the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal investigation into Donald Trump. Michael Cohen, of course, is a key witness in that case. Michael Cohen has some exclusive breaking news for us in just a bit in some other news, Donald Trump was caught with another folder that had a classified marking on it, one that he was apparently sleeping with and that his new lawyer claims was being used by Trump to shield the light on the telephone next to his bed. You you can't make this stuff up, Cohen. Some other breaking news as we were about to go live, former Vice President Pence has expressed his intention to object to the subpoena he received from special counsel Jack Smith on the grounds of the speech and debate clause which usually protects members of the House of Representatives and the Senate. But now Pence is saying, I actually wasn't acting as a vice president. I was acting as the president of the Senate. So please, please don't subpoena me. In other news, Steve Bannon apparently is not paying his legal fees. And the Fulton County Superior Court judge, Judge McBurney, is set to release three portions of the special grand jury report, on election interference this week on February 16th this and more on the political beatdown cohen a lot of news to discuss Alrighty.
2: today there's so much ben it's you know it's first of all again it's always great to have our political beatdown brigade with us as we sit and raw unfiltered not your 30 you know your 13 minute or your 12 minute or your 8 minute um news reporting on whatever the topic is. We try to get into depth because this stuff is not simple. This is not easy stuff where you just simply, you know, have a two-second conversation, generally by people who have no requisite knowledge other than the fact that they are in the field. Okay, not every lawyer should be talking about the district attorney. Not every lawyer should be commenting on this guy. What was his name? Timothy parlatori the new attorney for Donald Trump that Joe uh, from Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough called a schlub. I mean, that's what he looks like. He looks like a schlub and Joe wanted to know, where does Donald find these people? Where is this new crop of fools coming from with the most bizarre outlandish response to the question of why donald had for example those empty folders in his office anyway so we'll get to that and more ben always good to see you good to have our brigade with us where do we start
1: well before you before you give the brigade the breaking news story regarding the manhattan district attorney's criminal investigation we're going to have to just tease that slightly i want to play that video though with parlatory and I want to get your reaction to it. It's just so astonishingly stupid that I know we need a Cohen reaction to it. So this is Trump's lawyer trying to explain why there was a folder with a classified marking in Donald Trump's bedroom that the uh, Department of Justice had to subpoena to get back here. Let's play this clip.
3: Now, you also turned over an empty folder marked classified to investigators where was this folder and why was it turned over?
4: <laughs> the folder is kind of one of the more humorous aspects of this whole thing. Uh, this is not a classified folder. This is a folder that when my team went through and searched and they wrote up their report, which we turned over to DOJ, they saw it's a, it's a folder, a manila folder, that says classified evening summary on it and it was in the president's bedroom. Uh, he has one of those uh, landline telephones next to his bed, and it has a blue light on it, and it keeps him up at night. So he took the manila folder and he put it over it so that it would keep the light down so he could sleep at night. And it's just this folder. It says classified evening brief, evening summary on it. It is not a classification marking. It's not anything that is controlled in any way. There's nothing illegal about it. There's nothing in it. And when DOJ found out about it, they went crazy. And they said they actually gave me a subpoena to say, give us over this empty folder that means nothing.
3: How did they find out about a folder on his bed table?
4: We put it in our report. We, When we did all of our searches, we wrote up reports on everywhere we searched, everywhere we looked, anything we found, where we found it, and we gave that to them because everything that we've done as part of that search has been in the spirit of full cooperation and compliance. And when they read that and they saw, oh, there's this folder here that is so far outside of the scope of the subpoena or anything else, they demanded it back. And so now the president has to find a different way to keep the blue light out of his lies. I'm
1: sure he has other options.
4: Cohen, your reaction? (laughs) said so one of
2: our brigaders turned around and said the exact same thing that I was thinking. The guy looks like Peter Griffin from Family Guy. And all I want to say to that schmuck is, giggity, giggity, giggity. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bullshit. I mean, I call bullshit. On, doesn't Donald own Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> doesn't Donald Trump have like 50, 60, 70 people there working for, me, working for him? Is it not possible if the blue light is bothering his extremely delicate and sensitive eyes? Don't you think that he could have easily, easily called in somebody and replaced it? One would think the answer is that, no, 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 let's not replace it. Let's cover it instead because- It just makes sense. Let's cover it with a top secret folder. I mean, this guy is almost as big a clown as Alina Habba, who is just, again, I don't know. I'd have to side with Joe Scarborough, who made the statement. This guy looks like a schlub. He acts like a schlub. He's absolutely stupid. He's made a complete fool of himself in every way, shape, and form. And now all of a sudden, he's expecting, because he's got that Dumbass smile, smirk on his face. It's like, yeah, you know, Donald likes to sleep at night. And, um, you know, he would basically use the folder in order to stop the blue lights. from. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's almost as ridiculous as Alina Haber's stupidity. But who knows? Who knows? You know, at the end of the day, it's just another lie to the American people, believing that the American people are stupid that just because they say it means that we're going to accept it. And I can assure you that there's nobody, even the people who are the Trump supporters that are following us right now, even they don't buy this bullshit.
3: No.
1: And by the way, I love the giggity giggity impression. I think we got to clip that. But when you listen to what (laughs) Parlatori, that lawyer was saying also, he goes, It's not a classified folder. It's just a folder that says classified on it. (laughs) What? What? It's just a folder that has classified markings on it. That doesn't mean it's classified. And then we also learn, though, that the contents, whether it was that folder or another folder, were downloaded into a laptop. So classified information downloaded into a laptop of at least one current aid to Donald Trump, a laptop from hell, if you will. And that laptop had to be turned over to the Department of Justice as well. I mean, look, you compare the way Biden has handled everything, saying to the FBI, look, just you want to search it, search it. There's a gigantic difference. Even Pence, who we're going to talk about in a bit, he's so scared of his own shadow or the shadow of Donald Trump or Donald Trump posting, it frightens uh, Pence so much. But, you know, look, Pence handled the documents the right way. And, And that's the difference between cooperation and criminal obstruction. And Trump is on the side of criminal obstruction here. And speaking of which, you got special counsel Jack Smith as well that we learned um, uh, subpoenaed and actually called before the criminal grand jury in uh, Washington, D.C. We learned Evan Corcoran, uh, one of Trump's lawyers, as well as Christina Bob. And we learned that the Department of Justice, you mentioned Alina Habba, they had questioned Alina Habba. We don't quite know yet if she's spoken before uh, the grand jury uh, yet. But Trump's two lawyers, uh, the key ones who were working on the working on obstructing justice in the uh, stolen document uh, case, Uh, Corcoran and Bob were both dealing with uh, the Department of Justice and before that, the National Archives. Throughout 2022, they basically tapped Christina Bob to try to throw her under the bus with the DOJ. Remember that Cohen back in June of 2022? They were like, hey, Christina, come here, come here. You really love Donald Trump, don't you? Yes. Would you do anything for him? Well, can you just sign this attestation to the top counterintelligence official of the Department of Justice and just just let him know that you've done a diligent search and that all the documents have been returned? Well, I'm not sure if I should do that. Donald Trump would love it. Okay, I'll do it. Boom. And now she's in, you know, being investigated for crimes, as is Evan Corcoran. Right. I mean, they both stepped right into it. Yeah, if
2: I'm not mistaken, I think it was Boris Epstein uh, who Truthfully, was not somebody that Donald even cared for during the campaign. Somehow or another, you know, he's remained in Donald's orbit simply because he was smart enough to stay to the left of Donald's wrath long enough to be one of the few people that have remained altogether. It's almost, you know, like he's, re- he's remained there, not because of the quality of what he's providing, but simply because everybody else has been killed around him. I mean, it's it's really amazing. And then you got now Jason Miller coming back to the alleged campaign. Yeah, one, because Jason is probably working cheap. And two, again, because he's one of the few people that are willing to come back into that orbit of shit uh, and reap whatever repercussions that he will sow, considering his, you may remember, I mean, he was uh, charged at one point or he was uh, accused of improper sexual relations with campaign staffers. And so he's, he's another just a total ass clown. But putting all this aside, when I saw this, I mean, I the first thing I thought is we need to put on our merch store, we need to put some classified folders up there. Maybe it'll be like a, uh, I don't know, a memo pad or something like that. This has got to be the dumbest thing I have ever ever heard any lawyer, forgetting about the fact that it's Donald's lawyer, this has to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody say ever. And the fact that he's willing to do it on television and to the public, I mean, that to me is just amazing. Um, Why? I have no idea. Complete embarrassment. He could kiss his career goodbye.
1: Yeah. I mean, just in the in the nick of an eye right there, in the blink of an eye, just boom. There goes there goes his career. Cohen, I want to get some updates. As much as you could tell us, I mean, look, you are the key witness in the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal investigation into Donald Trump. So being that is both an incredible opportunity for our listeners and viewers to have you co-host this show um, but also it does come with limitations obviously and having to respect the process which you've done every step of the way Um, but what can you tell us in terms of any updates there that you may be aware of that has not been reported anywhere else
2: so you know everybody's heard there's Obviously, a lot of back and forth that's going on between the district attorney's office and Mark Pomeranz, who recently put out this book, The People versus Donald Trump. It's fascinating that there are really two schools of thought here. The first school of thought is, why would Pomeranz do such a thing? There's an ongoing investigation. He shouldn't have put out a book. And then, of course, there's the second school, which is... um, it's all about transparency. He believed, um, and rightfully wrong or wrongly, that the investigation was over in the fact that both he and Carrie Dunn resigned because Alvin Bragg took the position that you know there's nothing going on here, refused to take their position, which is that we need to immediately indict. Well, uh, whatever camp that you're in, Truth be told, I think it's irrelevant. Most of what Mark writes about in his book anyway is information that has been made public over the course of the past two, two and a half years, really since this investigation started, or even longer than that, over three years. Remember that the very first time that I met with the district attorney's office, I was still in Otisville. Um, The first three times they came, they came to visit me while I was there. So, this investigation has been ongoing for quite some time. I do believe, and here comes the big announcement. Uh, I am going back. I'm going back to meet with prosecutors, and it's already been put out there by whom, why. I don't know why it becomes such a big deal, but I will be going back for the 16th time to meet with the new team at the Alvin Bragg District Attorney's Office um, on Thursday. And I'm looking forward to seeing the team again, uh, and to answering the questions that I can. Now, will I be the key witness? I don't know if I would go so far, call myself the key witness. Uh, I'll allow that to be determined by the DA's office. But one thing I can tell you for certain is that I certainly am a witness. uh, And the information that they continue to ask um, and continue to delve into, uh, now into the to me is a very positive indication that Alvin Bragg uh, is seeing something now that both Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn saw over a year ago. Now, I've also been on Joy Reid and Nicole Wallace and, you know, half a dozen other shows where I talked about this. And my belief is that this is Alvin Bragg's office at the moment. He was the one who was elected district attorney, and I think it's only fair that we give him at least enough uh, leeway that he decides when the case should be brought. It's not my office. I certainly don't make that, despite the fact that I believe uh, that the case was ripe a while ago, but it wasn't my call. It's not your call. It's not anybody else's call other than the man who was elected to the position. And at this point in time, I think he is getting there. Um, You know, everybody's been using, as I said the last time uh, on the show, that everyone's using all of these metaphors dealing with transportation, especially aviation, in that it just wasn't ready for takeoff. Well, like I said before, and I'm going to stand by that statement, I think that we are on the tarmac, we are taxing out to the runway, and at the end of the day, I know what I care about. I know, Ben, what you care about, and I know what our political beatdown brigaders all care about, is that we all end up at the destination that we're expecting. And I believe that that destination is indictment, prosecution, and a conviction.
1: So that's big news that you're hearing first here exclusively on the political beatdown. Michael Cohen telling the beatdown brigade exclusively here that he will be meeting again with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for the 16th time this Thursday, which you also believe And And from my perspective as a lawyer as well, when these meetings start getting Uh, nearer and nearer to each other and more frequent. That is usually a good sign. You used the transportation metaphor right there. And then for those new to the beatdown brigade, um, you couldn't delve into much information, but you did say, Michael, that you were very impressed with the team of lawyers and the team that you've been meeting with. And you even went so far as to say, as much as you were impressed with Carrie Dunn and Pomerantz, this team right now so far, and again, I think you qualified it with, you met with the other group far more times before, but at least your initial impressions of this group is that they are very impressive. They're very serious people. And to use your transportation metaphor, this is a team that wants to fly the plane in the right direction.
2: Yeah. And you know, one of the things I tried to explain, so this will be again, the 16th time The three times when I was in Otisville, 10 times uh, under the Cy Vance administration with Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Duns, uh, as well as their team, this will now be the third time with this team. And they are, as I stated before, they are equally impressive to the earlier team. They are very much in the know. They have a tremendous grasp of all of the information over a multitude of different areas um, impressive group because remember they're only at it since january um, whereas the other team you know had the information and grew the information over a period of two years plus so they are certainly the new team certainly up to speed they are impressive and yes, I believe that the plane will be heading in the right direction.
1: That's good news to hear. There was one person in the comments just who also asked unrelatedly, but I wanted to answer it. Stephen Miller, has he been subpoenaed by special counsel Jack Smith? The answer is absolutely yes. And in fact, Miller appeared before the criminal grand jury already in Washington, D.C. And of course, Miller's significant for a variety of reasons, including the fact that he wrote the speech on January 6th. And Ah, uh, purportedly removed language that referenced threatening the life of Pence, and then Trump ad libbed that back into the speech. So there was ah uh, that was one of numerous important things. And of course, Miller Stephen Miller was involved in a lot of other um, activities, the corrupt activities with Donald Trump. Right before we were set to go live, there was some breaking news being reported by Politico. Uh, Kyle Cheney, who does a great job breaking these stories, so I want to give a shout-out to Kyle, that former Vice President Pence uh, will intends to object to this subpoena that he received from special counsel Jack Smith. In other words, Pence does not want to show up before the grand jury. He does not want to testify. And the grounds that Pence is asserting is the speech and debate clause privilege. Let's just pull up in the Constitution where their speech and debate clause privilege is found. It's uh, Article 1, Section 6, Clause One, and it says the following, the senators and representatives shall receive a compensation for their services to be ascertained by law and paid out of the Treasury of the United States. They shall in all cases, except treason, felony and breach of the peace, be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses. And in going to and returning from the same and for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. And what that has been interpreted to mean is any legitimate legislative activity, not just speeches that take place in the House of Representatives. So you may recall, for example, Lindsey Graham asserted the speech and debate clause privilege to try to avoid testifying. Uh, before the Fulton County grand jury, he ultimately lost that where his activities outside of the House, outside of the Senate, and that were not viewed as legitimate legislative activities, threatening, exhorting uh, people to change the vote count in favor of Trump. In other words, encouraging people to commit crimes is not covered here. Uh, Many people thought that Pence was going to assert an executive privilege, which he would likely have no chance of prevailing on the executive privilege. Um, One, because the executive privilege is held by uh, the current administration, not the former uh, administration. Also, if there's a compelling need by the Department of Justice, which is the executive branch, that can override the executive privilege. And the Department of Justice has been successful in compelling the testimony over Trump's assertion of the executive privilege for people like Mark Short uh, and Greg Jacob. Those were former top pence aides, former chief of staff, former general counsel, and people like Pat Cipollone and Patrick Feldman, Trump's former top White House lawyers who Trump asserted the executive privilege for. So he really had no shot there. He's going for the speech or debate clause, because if you turn to Article 1, Section 3, Clause 4 of the Constitution, it also says the vice president of the United States shall be president of the Senate, but shall have no vote unless they be equally divided. So Pence is basically saying, I was actually serving in the capacity, a dual capacity, so I want to be treated like I was a senator, as the president of the Senate, and my legitimate legislative activity, my work in connection with my job as being the former president of the Senate, that is um, constitutionally protected, and I shouldn't have to testify. It's never been tested before, and it'll find its way to the Supreme Court. The courts, over time, have had a relatively expansive view of the speech and debate clause, the speech and debate clause privilege, um, both in terms of it applying to former uh, members—you know, as as long as the when the conduct occurred, not who the current administration is—and also uh, it's also applied to staffers. Of members of Congress, not the Congress members themselves. And so would this be a further extension of that? But then it just the non-legal analysis and the broader point, too, that we should discuss Cohen um, as well, though, is that just shows you that if Cohen wants a if uh, if Pence wants a political career here, he's got to do every single thing to try to appease Donald Trump and this is not someone in Mike Pence. You know, I know a lot of people are very laudatory of him during the January 6th. Though he did the right thing. He did the right thing. But he's really a spineless traitor when you really break it down. You
2: know, Ben, you said something which is very interesting, that this has never been tested before. How many times have we now heard this coming out of either the Trump administration or the former Trump administration? We've never seen anything like this before. And the reason that this is all happening, the reason why we've never seen it before, is because no other president, no one other than Donald Trump before him, and God willing, after him, would ever look at and ignore the Constitution, would ignore the rights of the people simply to benefit themselves. And Mike Pence's fear is not necessarily of Donald J. Trump, but rather Trumpism. Meaning that he's more concerned about Trump's base—that 28 percent that are die-hard ha- die Trump fanatics—that they are willing to, you know, to go to bat for him. They're willing to attack the Capitol, despite the fact that Donald, of course, was at the White House under, you know, the full protection of Secret Service, watching as this thing unfolded on his televisions, enjoying it. So. It's a There's a big difference between his allegiance to Donald Trump and his allegiance to Trumpism. And that's the big problem that we're seeing with the Lindsey Grahams. We're seeing them with even, for example, Nikki Haley, who today announced that she herself is going to run for the presidency as against Donald um, in 2024. They are all concerned about the group of individuals that are so loyal for whatever their reason might be, that are so loyal to Donald that that could end up creating political nightmares for them. And again, most of these politicians only care about themselves and their next election. So who knows? And we'll see what happens with Pence. My hope is that he does not get to invoke any privilege he, like everyone else that was involved, needs to come forward. They need to testify to the truth. Now, there's a couple of folks that are part of our brigaders that clearly not. They're just um, Trump supporting. They're part of that 28%. And one guy asked whether or not my goal is to hurt Donald. And I've made it crystal clear. So maybe you weren't on before with us, or maybe you just don't pay attention, or maybe you just don't have the mental capability within which to listen and to understand what I'm trying to say. I do not want to see, and some of you may, may have heard this before, so please bear with me. I do not want to see Donald Trump indicted. I do not want to see Donald Trump uh, prosecuted. And I do not want to see Donald Trump incarcerated, or some form of incarceration, because I dislike him, because I fundamentally disagree with almost every single thing that comes out of his mouth i want him to be indicted prosecuted and convicted simply based upon what he has done the illegal and improper and unethical actions taken by a man who does not want to be and never wanted to be president of the united states but rather a ruler rather uh, an autocrat monarch dictator supreme leader all right that's what i want to see i want him to be held accountable, just like you would, just like I was, just like anybody else in the country would be if, in fact, that they committed the same thing. And rest assured, if you had one single, if you had one single top secret document in your possession, and that may even include a file folder, depending upon how relevant you were to the prosecutors putting you away, you, like someone like Reality Winner... Would have gotten a minimum of a five year sentence. Make no mistake about that. And anyone that thinks anything different, again, you are knee deep into the cult of Donald J. Trump and you need to be extricated immediately.
1: Couldn't agree more with you there. You know, when, you know, already wealthy people sometimes have an unfair, most times have an unfair advantage anyway, in terms of. When you have the top lawyers, one of the things you can do is you can fight with every type of doctrine and delay and try to paper the thing to death. So there's already that. But when you're a former president, you're given a whole toolkit of different types of objections that you can make, though, that no other citizen can make that the Constitution for how great it is never really was able You know, and look, the stress test, fortunately, is that the separation of powers that we have has, has has worked just barely, and frankly, it's the federal courts that likely saved us. Um, you know, at the time, and the fact that uh, Democrats controlled, you know, at the time, the House of Representatives as well—that that also um, saved us at at, at that time. Um, but as you kind of dig deeper into it, I mean, you know, Trump's able to bring executive privilege objection and 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 all of these things, and they're frivolous objections speech and debate clause objection by pence and it just delayed delay delay and it's very frustrating you know to to watch that process you know play out and delay but it's also important that we channel that frustration and at least recognize where it's actually coming from versus who are the people who are trying to hold them accountable um you know and that's why we do shows like this because transparency Facts matter rather than just the soundbite. It's by the way, we talked on the last political beatdown about these committee hearings where Democrats have just been doing an incredible job confronting the MAGA Republican with their lies, because it's not a soundbite forum. It's actually a forum that allows discussion and allows you to call out and expose the hypocrisy that's taken place.
2: Ben, let's not forget that Donald has been doing the same dog and pony show for his entire life. Donald has figured out how to use the system to his own advantage, and I'm referring to the legal system. Delay, 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 throw money at it, file frivolous motions. We all saw that he and Alina Daba ended up getting fined like a million dollars for their um, delay tactics, and the court had had enough. Now, interestingly enough, wouldn't that be something special if the same thing happened to Mike Pence? You want to play this game, little Mike? You want to be a motherfucker and go ahead and stop the entire investigation into what could have amounted to the end of democracy, and then you wanna start exerting some sort of privilege that you're probably not even entitled to, simply to delay it so that you can get closer to an election and then maybe if Donald ends up becoming the nominee, this whole thing goes away because the committees won't allow it or what have you. Maybe we end up, maybe the court ends up fining him for a frivolous lawsuit. Who knows, but that would be something because I promise you this, Donald would not reach into the coffers of the money that was given to him by this 28% of sycophants. He would not reach into his pocket. He would not help Mike Pence or anyone out with that money except for himself or something that benefits him. And I don't think that he would do a damn thing for Pence whatsoever. Um, The fact that Pence is doing this just goes to show you that he is not the right man for the job in 2024. And interestingly enough, you will see, in my, in my opinion, he will be either the last of all the candidates, he'll have the lowest percentage. I'd be shocked if he got one to 2% of the vote. He's, he is, I mean, systemically disliked by uh, the entire party he really has no following on his own. He accomplished little to nothing. Um, the fact that he stood up to Donald and did the right thing and you know, acknowledged that Joe Biden had won the election. Could you imagine that we now give somebody credit? We slap them on the ass and pat them on the back and say, Good for you, Mike. You did the right thing. You acknowledge that it's a free and fair election and that Donald lost and Joe Biden won by um, nine million votes. Yeah. Yeah. Good job there, Mike. Yeah. Real good job. I mean, give me a fucking break already. The fact that we even acknowledge that he did this in order to give him some sort of a prop makes no sense to me at all, and we have to stop. We have to hold him accountable for the fact that Donald even got to that position because this was not something that popped up literally on that day, on January 6th. This had been in discussion long before January 6th, and rest assured, Mike Pence heard about it, knew about it, was involved in it, some way, shape, or form, and he needs to come clean. No different, for example, than Bill the Fucking moron Bill Barr. I mean, Bill Barr needs to be put in front of the committee, especially, let's even put him in front of Jim Jordan's committee, the weaponization of the Department of Justice committee. Why is Bill Barr not in front stating exactly what he did, not just during that period of time, but from the day that he accepted the job and was sworn in as attorney general? Everything that Donald had him do, every illegal action, Every single, every single thing that we have all been talking about looking at again and again and again, Bill Barr needs to provide answers. Not the fact that, oh, I told Donald that, you know, you lost the election. Stop it, Donald. All of a sudden, this guy thinks he's invited back into polite society. How about I think not?
1: You Know Pence does this shtick that I, I like to do on the Midas Touch podcast, and I'll bring it to the brigade where he's always asked these questions. So, you know, they tried to kill you, so even though they tried to kill you, you'd still support the people who tried to kill you. They ask variations of that question, and he does this thing because he's just such a phony, bloviating, you know what, right? And so, he always goes, Well, let me tell you this first, I'm a Christian, second, I'm a conservative, and third, I'm a Republican. So yeah, even if they tried to kill me, I would find it in my heart. I'd have to find it in my heart, and I would support him. It's like who? What planet are you from? I think those aliens that are you know that have been spotted—they're dropping Mike Pence's. Here, watch this alien. Let's play this clip. I'll show it to you, salty. Play the video.
0: Talking about the 2022 election, and I think that your analysis. Uh, is one that is is generally accurate that the candidates who were hung up on the election lies of 2020 uh, of 2020 um, did not fare as well in 2022 as the ones who stepped forward and 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 talked about the future.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I was, and I know you know better than anyone in a, in a bad way what those election lies can mean Just in look terms at of this guy's being incited. Mm. I was surprised. To see you campaigning for mm. Don Baldick in New Hampshire and Blake Masters in Arizona, who were two people who lied about the election, who defeated one could say, one could argue, better candidates in the Republican primaries, uh, who were future-leaning candidates. Um, why did you why did you endorse them? Why did you support them? Why did you campaign for them? Well, you know, I've often said I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order, but I'm a Republican. And once Republican primary voters had chosen their nominees, I went out and traveled to 35 states over the last year and a half to see if we could elect a Republican majority in the House and Senate, elect Republican governors all across the country. It didn't mean, as it hasn't meant in the past, that I agree with every statement or every position candidates that I'm supporting in the Republican Party have taken. Um, But uh, but I was pleased to do it. I was
4: pleased to do it. Yeah, I was pleased um, to do it. Yeah, they wanted to kill me. me
2: You want to know where he's from? He's from the planet bullshit, from the galaxy of go fuck yourself, you insane lunatic. I mean, yeah, they only showed up. They built a fucking gallow in front of the people's house. Could you imagine this? In front of the Capitol, they built the gallow screaming, hang my pants. But don't worry, I'm a Christian. All right? And that's okay. I'm going to learn to forgive them. Yeah, unlike Jesus, my friend, you ain't going to rise. All right. So let me be very clear about that. You and that fucking fly that was once sitting on that, on that head of his. This guy is really stupid. I mean, I don't <laughs> care what anybody says. I, I just, it makes no sense to me at all that you have a bunch of people who want to kill you and they want to kill you because you didn't do the right thing by Donald, right? The autocratic wannabe. And instead, you did what you're obligated to do, but that's okay. I traveled to 32 states, and so I mean, if this guy doesn't sound like the biggest moron in the world, I don't know. He sounds to me like he needs a very serious enema.
1: <laughs> I think he may. Well, I, I won't even go there. All right. So also, Bannon apparently is not paying his legal fees at all. His, it, it, you know, a story leaked also to the Politico. Um, and to the Daily Beast as well, basically saying that he's not paying his fees. He owes this guy Robert Costello. Did you know Costello at all, Cohen? Uh, this this lawyer from New York City. Sadly, I did. So
2: Costello, uh, this is a cra- This is in my book, Revenge. I mean, I hope that people. I hope that people read the book. It is so important to understanding what's really going on here. It's sort of like the predicate for all the other books. So Bob Costello, when I was Right after I was raided and I was looking for an attorney, Bob Costello shows up uh, with another lawyer who I happen to know, and he gives me the old song and shoe dance. He's very close to Rudy, which he is, and that Rudy's on the inside. And it's important that, you know, we have somebody on the inside and you on the outside because, you know, we want to be able to get the big guy. You know who that is, wink, wink. So we we can end up then having all the messages run up the chain and so on and so forth. He is the most disingenuous lawyer. He's not even considered a respectable lawyer. He's just a Rudy Giuliani, or as we like to call him, a mea culpa. He's the reclutely, drunken Giuliani lawyer that ended up literally, and he did the same thing. He made phone calls. He was sending text messages saying things like, You have friends in high places. You know what you need to say, blah, blah, blah. You know, Rudy spoke to, I just got off the phone with Rudy. He spoke to the big guy, et cetera. I mean, the things that were going on here, you would think that this is more dealing with the Gambino crime family than you would talking about, um, you know, the president of the United States of America. And I guess that's why Mark Pomerantz referred to Trump as, you know, similar to John Gotti.
1: By the way, there's so many reasons I love doing this show with you. One, you're one of my closest friends now. But two, you know all of these people, so you can give some of the color here. Like, like yeah, Costello, he's a, he's a tool. Like, you just don't get that anywhere else other than, other than people who know these characters. But,
2: but think about this, too. And how stupid is he to allow the bill to keep knowing that Steve Bannon is going to do to him what Donald has historically done to almost every single law firm? That he's ever dealt with what made you think that he wasn't going to get paid there was one lawyer who was smarter than the rest i forget who it was but he ended up getting the money in advance from donald in order to represent him so in the event that donald did what donald always does which is to interfere in whatever litigation and decide that he's going to be the guy to direct it this guy could walk away and he was keeping like four million dollars when then again Rudy Colludi, Drunken Giuliani, believed that he was entitled, what was it, like $150,000 a day that he was expected <laughs> you know, to get paid? And Donald, of course, stiffed him on all of that money. So the fact that Steve Bannon stiffed uh, Bob Costello, I mean, is anybody here, you know, are they shocked at what
1: this revelation shows? Here, I'm going to make my own little graphic here. That's the lawyer, Christopher Keis, who uh, was the one who he's also a foreign agent of the Maduro regime in Venezuela. But he was smart. (laughs) He is. He 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 filled out a foreign foreign whatever form and he advises them. So 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 for all of the MAGA, oh, Chinese this and and Venezuela and that the, the lawyer who you mentioned, Was is a foreign agent for Venezuela. That's who's representing Trump. But he got the three million upfront from the Save America grifting organization that Trump runs. Um, And then Bannon for not paying the legal fees of people like Costello. Bannon's bankrolled by a Chinese billionaire. You know, Bannon gives the speeches reading Tom Fitton's plan about how we're going to declare victory even if we lose in the 2020 election. There's that audio recording of Bannon at a meeting by the Chinese businessman billionaire who bankrolls Bannon, where Bannon says, here's how we're going to overthrow democracy. And of course, Donald Trump pays more money in taxes to the chinese government by far than he's ever paid to the united states government has secret chinese bank accounts uh, of course uh, ivanka has all of the patents uh, or the trademarks over there that she's gotten the favorable treatment so Like every single accusation is an admission of actually what they're doing. But, you know, Bannon had has these, you know, three separate cases. One of them is ongoing, one he was convicted of, and one he was pardoned of, right? The We Build the Wall federal case. He was ultimately pardoned of right before Trump left office and the federal judge had to dismiss the case, but made it clear that the pardon was an admission of his guilt. Contempt of Congress, he was found guilty of. Abandon was found guilty of, and he's appealing that right now. And then he was charged with a Uh, state prosecution out of New York for the We Build the Wall scam. And these MAGA Republicans, one of their go-to scams, you look at like the George Santos GoFundMe scam, they use GoFundMe to just like scam and steal from people, right? So George Santos, the MAGA Republican, he would set up the GoFundMe account um, so that he could steal money from disabled, homeless uh, veterans, by saying that he was going to provide life saving surgery for their dying pets. Of course, you don't get much more sympathetic than that. So people would give money and Santos then just stole the money. Like this is known to the the MAGA House Republicans. And they're like, let's put this guy on the small business committee. Um, And then Bannon's GoFundMe scam is the we build the wall scam. I thought Mexico was supposed to pay for the wall, but apparently not. They created a GoFundMe scam where they took all this money from donors. And then Bannon was actually arrested by the feds on the Chinese billionaire's yacht. He was pardoned for that by Trump. And then he's being charged for the same. uh, Well, where else, Ben, would you want to
2: get picked up, right? I mean, if you're going to get picked up somewhere, you know, why not on... A Chinese billionaire's yacht. You know, the funny thing, though, is that <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um, Steve Bannon is actually quite wealthy in his own right. He didn't yep. need this Chinese billionaire in order to um, bankroll his life. Steve Bannon's actually quite successful. He's like an executive producer on um, was a major television show. I forget which one it was. I don't want to I don't want to. Say the wrong one, but if you look it up, you'll see. I mean, he made a ton of money. Uh, it also it, will ruin the
1: show for you. It's a good show. I know, I know the show. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for, for nah, all. you. You
2: could would, say it. I just don't remember if it was, I, I always get confused between one and the other. But my, it is Seinfeld. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, you know, he made a couple hundred million dollars as an executive producer, so he's no poor boy that he needed this Chinese billionaire. But I guess, like Donald, it's almost like. You know, I'll take money from anyone so long as that they're going, you know, to support me in my quest for, you know, world domination under whatever sort of sick way that he wants to see the United States and the rest of the world operate. I mean, you know, the rest of us are sitting there and we want to see women's rights, whether it's from, you know, Iran all the way here to the United States. You know, that's not Steve Bannon. He wants to see, you know, the country, you know, revert into what it was 50, 60 plus years ago, um, you know, where women didn't have the rights uh, that they have today. And there's just something seriously wrong with him and that whole crew of people that just surround themselves. But then again, that's what Donald Trump brings out. And I want to be very clear because a couple of folks, you know, again, you know, they're the haters on the group as we do this political <laughs> beatdown and trying to inform our, you know, brigade in terms of things that we're going to need to do to ensure 2024. Things that they don't want to understand. Yeah, you could attack me all you want. I'm no hero. I never said that I was a hero, that you, there I have no sympathy for this guy. He was part of the issue. I want to be very clear about something. First and foremost, if you read my book, you would understand. I pled guilty to seven out of eight charges that I had nothing to do with that were absolute lies. And you say, well, why did you do it? And again, because when you have 48 hours to make a decision and the decision in the negative will implicate or it will have a deleterious effect upon your wife, who you care about, who you love with all your heart, and it'll have an effect upon your children and so on. You do what you need to do. There's a book that was written by Judge Jed Rakoff, Why the Innocent um, Plead Guilty and the Guilty Go Free. You got to learn to read before you make stupid statements like this because what it does is, again, it's just a distraction from the reality. We are fighting. All of us here today are fighting for what? We're fighting for American democracy. We're fighting for the rights to go forward in the future, backwards. We don't want like what this guy does is just to go backwards. We want to go forward. We want to expand people's rights. I mean, the fact that we now see the loss of Roe v, of, of the Roe decision in and of itself should be alarming to everyone. And it should be alarming because we have now an incredibly young group of individuals on the Supreme Court who will stay there for as long as they want. And that basically means till the day they die. So we really need to be very careful about who gets elected, about whose you know, um, ide- ideas and the, I- their ideology end up becoming bills and then bills you know, being made into law. So we have to stay vigilant. You could only imagine what would happen if you have all three chambers now controlled by Republicans, you will see the fastest loss of constitutional rights and protections that this country has ever seen. So guide yourselves accordingly. And you're hearing it right now on the political beatdown with Bagel Ben and Michael Cohen, you're hearing my warning to you exactly what's going to happen if in fact we allow these individuals to take control over our government, and that's why I keep imploring everybody: make sure that you tell your friends about the political beatdown. Make sure you tell them about Midas Touch, about Mea Culpa. Make sure that they read the important books, not the salacious shit that everybody wants to hear. Oh, like what the Southern District of New York did. You know, one of the things that happened not too uh, too many days ago. You may have seen it, Ben, and I hope that our brigaders saw it as well. Jamie Raskin appeared before the Committee on the Weaponization of the DOJ. And he gave an uh, impassioned speech about how, how bad right now things are. And if, in fact, that this group, this committee, is going to be bipartisan and actually effectuate some positive change in terms of how we, the people, see the Department of Justice and the improper behavior that was taken, the very first case that we have to look at is the case of Michael Cohen. When the United States of America, when the government, the DOJ, Bill Barr, Donald Trump, etc., when they had me unconstitutionally remanded because I refused to waive my First Amendment constitutional right. Now, if there are other issues that need to be explored, investigated, so be it. I don't care if they're Republicans, if they're Democrats, independents, it's irrelevant to me. We all need to have faith in our Department of Justice. Otherwise, once again, what, what do you think is going to happen to our democracy? And that's why, again, folks, please listen. Listen to when Ben and I speak. Listen to the, from the various different podcasts and uh, appearances that we make. It is so important that we all band together like a brigade and we ensure that American democracy is not messed with.
1: Let's play that clip that Cohen referenced from Jamie Raskin the other day. Play the clip.
3: In the case of Michael Cohen, the president's former lawyer and confidant for many years. In August 2018, he pleaded guilty to campaign finance violations over large hush money payments he arranged before the 2016 election to keep porn star Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal from talking about sexual affairs they had with Donald Trump. You guys remember this one. Well, after Barr became attorney general in February of 2019, he worked to kill further investigations related to those payoffs and suggested that Mr. Cohen's conviction on campaign finance charges itself be reversed, even though six months had already passed since Cohen had entered a guilty plea. Amazingly, after Cohen was in prison for a year and then being transferred out of prison to home confinement during COVID-19, Barr and the DOJ intervened to block his transfer because Cohen would not immediately accept as a condition of his ankle bracelet home confinement, not to engage in First Amendment activities, specifically writing and publishing a book about Donald Trump or saying anything in public on TV or in the social media about Donald Trump. Cohen had already been home for two weeks When this unconstitutional demand from DOJ appeared, and when he and his attorney dared to ask questions about it, three federal marshals showed up with handcuffs and shackles and he was returned to the Otisville Correctional Institute. There he spent 16 days in solitary confinement before they were able to get his case before a federal district judge who immediately found that Barr's purpose, quote, in transferring Cohen from a lease on furlough and home confinement Back to custody was retaliatory in response to Cohen desiring to exercise his First Amendment rights to publish a book critical of the president and to discuss the book on social media. Can you think of a more egregious example of weaponizing the Department of Justice for nakedly political purposes than imprisoning and putting in solitary confinement the president's own former lawyer simply because he wanted to exercise his First Amendment rights.
1: It's a really, really strong clip. Uh, and, and you had um, you, you had described it before. Anything else you want to say about the clip now that you've seen it again?
2: No, just that at some point today, just everybody, please um, say a prayer for Jamie. Uh, as I'm sure you all saw, that's the bandana. Um, just say a prayer for him. He's a very good man. And I could not thank him enough for making that statement. On my behalf, it is something I have been yelling from the rooftops for God knows how long. It is something that I sued the United States government that is now on appeal for the exact same cause. It is something that I had sued my former uh, accountant for, you know, his screwing up of my taxes, which gave, you know, it's not even a screw up. It was a, it was a misstatement. It was an error, just like a hundred million other Americans have had over the course. I am a first time. With Look, again, it's all in the book Revenge. I implore people to read it so that you understand exactly what happens when an autocratic wannabe ends up in the White House. Now, the thing that I always say is that when Donald Trump was first deciding to run, it's not the same Donald Trump. What happened is that the power it didn't just go to his head. It went to his soul, where he really truly believes that he is bigger, better, more important, and more significant than everybody else in the entire country. That includes his wife, children, everybody. All right. Donald Trump, when he became president of the United States, became the absolute worst version of himself imaginable and saw himself as an autocrat or an autocratic wannabe, wants to be Putin, wants to be a Kim Jong-un, wants to be Mohammed bin Salman, anyone who has that autocratic power, that's who Donald Trump wanted to emulate. And that's the danger that we all need to ensure never, ever, ever happens again.
1: As President Obama says, it's not that the presidency changes you so much as it brings out the qualities that you've already possessed into a far clearer focus, and it accentuates and exaggerates those qualities. So if those qualities are really good, it accentuates that if those qualities are really bad, it shows that as well. And finally, I want to talk about the Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney, who made an order yesterday on Monday saying that he would release three portions of the special grand jury report, the special grand jury that's been impaneled since 2022 to investigate uh, criminal election interference in Georgia. The special grand jury voted that they wanted their report released. The language in the applicable Georgia statute says that the judge shall, not may, shall if the recommendation is made. But there were some counterbalancing factors, though, That also needed to be weighed, which is that Fawny Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, said that indictments are imminent um, and that there's a due process concern for individuals who are mentioned in the report if their names are publicized before indictments. So in other words, it's actually the district attorney who requested this, so that people who are ultimately prosecuted will not be able to argue later that their conviction should be overturned because they were prejudiced by the pre-indictment publicity, and that prejudiced the jury pool and the community and all of that. And so it's not that the remaining portions are never going to come out. They will come out after indictment, after the criminal discovery process, then the public will get the full report. And obviously, in the indictment, we will know what uh, the charges are because indictments will ultimately be made public. Those are public court records. So the three portions that are going to be uh, released include the introduction and conclusion, as well as Section 8 of the report, where the special grand jury discusses Uh, It's concerns that some witnesses may have lied under oath during their testimony to the grand jury because specific names aren't mentioned in that section. Um, One of the parts of the order that I found particularly relevant as well, when Judge McBurney is talking about the due process concerns of certain individuals, um, he also mentions This is particularly true as well if the grand jury's final report includes recommendations involving individuals who never appeared before the grand jury and so had no opportunity, limited or not, to be heard. And if you think about it, who could that possibly be referring to? Because Phony Willis called a lot of people before that grand jury. But when I think of an individual who... Is, could be the subject of a recommendation for indictments who never appeared before the grand jury and so didn't have the opportunity limited or not to be heard. I mean, I I, I think that's speaking of Donald Trump right there. I, I could be wrong, but it seems obvious that that's, who, that's where my mind immediately went. And then one thing that Judge McBurney said at the end of his order, though, was basically the district attorney's office, please provide updates because I'm basically doing this because you, say, you said indictments are imminent. So like, let's, let's. Judge McBurney didn't say this, but the message is like, let's get the show on the road here because I've already delayed this thing for two weeks.
2: Yeah, look, at the end of the day, all of these investigations seem to be moving slower than molasses through a strainer. And I have nothing but the utmost of respect for um, Fannie Willis and the investigation, these things are not easy, simply because and it's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be if you are the former president, if you are rich, if you are of the privileged you know um, class, that you're supposed to get special treatment, you are not and it is it's said because these prosecutions need to move more expeditiously they need to move with transparency in that way you're not going to see all of the fake uh information coming out the misinformation the disinformation the malinformation it's when the transparency is not um it, it's not put forth is when people start coming up with their own beliefs and then it gets you know promoted by whatever news organization Ascribes to that specific belief. And that's where we have to be better. You know, there has to be transparency. You know, one of the things I talk about again in Revenge, and I talk about it regularly on this show and my Mea Culpa podcast, I have a half a dozen FOIA requests out there. I have yet to receive a single document from FOIA, despite the fact that. They are obligated pursuant to a judge's determination to have started providing or processing documents since August 22nd of 2022. Not a single document. And yet, next week we have another follow up with the judge, and I hope the judge really gives it to them. But even if he does, so what? No one gives a shit. There's no accountability. We as Americans, we as the taxpayers in this country, we own those documents. The fact that you have to fight tooth and nail, hire lawyers and so on in order to get information so that I could bring it to you and that we could be transparent as a nation, to me is fucking insane. And it drives me batshit crazy. The fact that you have to fight with your own government to get a document in order to prove that there was an entire conspiracy within which to violate your First Amendment constitutional rights, which in essence means let's shred the Constitution. Institution. That to me is fucking insane, and I will not stop, I will not rest, and I ask you to stand behind me, stand beside me, stand with me as we continue this fight in order to demand transparency by our government. I mean, I've now asked Damien Williams, Southern District of New York, I have asked the federal government, I have asked even Jim Jordan's uh, committee on the weaponization of DOJ, I have asked everybody everyone to please. I mean, look at some of the people who have now already stood behind me or beside me. Take Hakeem Jeffries, Ted Lieu, Congressman Steve Cohen. You have Senator Dick Durbin, uh, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, who unfortunately is no longer there. You know, there's a whole slew of people that want to see these documents because that's the only way we're going to find out who was involved in an unconstitutional remand of a U.S. citizen. And that's to benefit and protect all of us. So stay with us, our political beatdown brigade. We are going to continue to bring you all the information, raw, unfiltered, completely transparent, and 100% truthful and accurate.
1: Love that. The brigade is strong indeed. Michael Cohen, I really appreciate spending this time with you. And the big breaking news for those who just joined in at the end, Michael Cohen will be speaking again for the 16th time with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office this Thursday. That will be happening this week. Go back to the beginning where Michael announced it exclusively here on the political beatdown. Um, But everybody, that was the big news. If you are just joining right now, Cohen, we covered a lot of topics for the next uh, political beatdown because these all these air Tuesdays and Thursdays live 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific, 12 Eastern. But for this Thursdays, because you are going in to speak with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office around the same time of when the beatdown would take place. And I think in general, our audience would like it more to kind of hear as much as you can provide. And we know you're definitely limited in what you can talk about. But we will do our show after you return and we will go live immediately. So if there's any breaking news you can share, great. And we certainly respect, though, the limitations on uh, on everything. There, it's a very, very serious investigation. By uh, a top team of lawyers there. And everyone wants accountability and everybody wants it to be handled uh, the correct way. Cohen, as always, it's a pleasure. Make sure you check out Cohen's book, Revenge. If you haven't bought it yet, make sure you buy it right now. Revenge by Michael Cohen. If you really want to see how Trump weaponized the Department of Justice, you know, these bullshit committees on weaponization, though. There's the real weaponization right here that Cohen talks about in this book, uh, Revenge, and the title of it was so prescient. Also, check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, including the official Maya Culpa podcast shirt. There's the Marilardo Correctional Facility shirt right there store.midastouch.com. Go get that. Check out Cohen's other podcast, Maya Culpa. It's great. If you're not subscribed to Maya Culpa, make sure you check that out right now. Go to Maya Culpa wherever you get your audio podcast. It's co-produced by Midas Touch and Audio Up. They do a good job there. So check that out, Maya Culpa. Also, make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel. You can check out the Midas Touch Patreon at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. P A T R E O N dot com slash Midas Touch. There's lots of exclusive content on our Patreon, but most importantly, it helps grow this independent media platform. So go to patreoncom slash Touch, Subscribe to all the Midas Touch podcasts on audio as well, and make sure you subscribe to the Political Beatdown on audio right now. So after this show ends, go search Political Beatdown on audio, hit subscribe, and leave a five-star review. It'll take you about 90 seconds to do that, but. It goes a long way to help the show, to help the show's growth. So as soon as this ends, search on audio um, and make sure you search Political Beatdown. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for those who just listen on audio, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll see you Thursday on The Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis. To the Beatdown Brigade, we say thank you and a special shout out to The might is mighty.